Hey, this is Cameron. Hey, this is Justin. We want to give a big shout out to Seven Element Athletics. They do so many great stuff for active duty and veterans in the, in the athletics arena, whether it's ice hockey or any types of sports to give veterans an outlet for things to do to keep them busy, to give them ice time and everything. They do a fantastic job. Cameron, we've both been a part of Seven Element Camps, and it's a great way to raise money to help out veterans, right? Absolutely. They do great work. They take care of everybody. It's fantastic. So make sure you visit 7element.org or visit them on Facebook, on Twitter, anything to give them a lot of support. I know CMACE and Hal Guild, they're a part of it as well. They do great, great work with people in our community to help give them an outlet and things to do when they're off duty or when they are retired, when they're done. And it's for first responders too. So it's not just those that have been in the military, but first responders are part of this. Make sure you do everything you can to support 7element, our official podcast sponsor. Get them tax credits. Justin. Speak up. Hey Justin. Hey Cameron. How's it going? It's it's going great. I am I'm very full of Thanksgiving leftovers, macaroni and cheese. Yeah. I um went to Chicago for Thanksgiving. No leftovers. No for no me. Leftovers? No, I left all the leftovers behind. How many cups you got? <laughs> what are you a blues fan? <laughs> well, okay, so we both had to drive through Indiana. Thanksgiving oh boy! Weekend. Shout out to Spider Jack who has to suffer that constantly. Oh yeah, but I mean, see, did you get to see the wind turbines at night? They're kind of creepy looking with all those red lights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, on the way up, Steph was driving, and like when the lights are out, you don't see them, and then the uh-huh. red light blinks, and you just see. Vroom, 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 vroom. <laughs> it looks alien, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh god, this looks like the set for a horror movie. <laughs> And I had to go through Indiana, but went the other way to, towards Fort Wayne in Canada to see Preds Prospects play, which was fun. But that yeah. was a, a 60-hour total trip up yeah. there, game, and back, driving. I actually looked up the distance between Chicago and Detroit, because obviously I'm not familiar with that area. Uh-huh. There's a record store in Detroit, and I'm like, maybe I'll go check it out on Black Friday. They got some deals, but no, it's like six hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you got to cross like... One, you got to cross the top of Indiana and the entire state of Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> if it was Grand Rapids, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, take the ferry if Gover, you know, thought there was a ferry <laughs> from one side to the other. <laughs> what, like Tinkerbell? Oh, God, no, not that kind of ferry. Not riding the ferry. <laughs> no, for those of you that don't know, um, Mr. Jeremy K. Gover, bless his heart, um, doesn't know how to travel plan. And when we were trying to plan a junior trip in the OHL, the Ontario Hockey League, we were going to go from Erie to see Connor McDavid when he was in Erie, mm-hmm. and then go to London, Ontario to see London Knights, and that's also when Max Domi was at the London Knights. Mm. Well, he was like, well, we could fly in to Erie, Pennsylvania, 
Which, what? Then, then we could take the ferry across Lake Erie to London. Like, London is in the middle of land. We can't just take a... And Lyft and Uber weren't really going back then. This is like in 2013, 2014 or something. 2014, mm-hmm. yeah. So, Gilbert just thinks there's ferries everywhere. And his excuse is that, Well, I grew up out west and there are ferries everywhere. I'm like, just because there are ferries there, don't mean there's ferries everywhere. He's from Northern California, right? Yeah. I don't recall any ferries in Northern California. There's, <laughs> there's ferries in, like, Washington, because, like, Seattle, there's a whole bunch of little islands and stuff like that. So you're that. calling him out on bullshit, then? Well, like, he's he's probably talking about, like, Washington and the Pacific Northwest yeah, and stuff no, like that. California Vancouver. specifically. Mm. <laughs> like, there's the ferry you take to Alcatraz if you're, okay. if you're into visiting prisons. That's not really a ferry, though. That's more of a shuttle boat, right? I mean, yeah, really... but like the type of ferry, like you drive onto and then it transports you somewhere. Right. Like no, you just take the Bay Bridge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming Gober probably would think there's a bridge all across the lake. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's only a few bridges crossing over into Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, hockey talk. Yeah. So real quick, I've got a follow up to our like whole driving thing. Uh oh. Um, Indiana, Ohio, Missouri. Rank them from worst to least worst. Or least worst to worst, I guess. I got like, like overall? Yeah, like worst to drive through. Have you ever driven through Missouri? Oh, yeah. I've driven across the state from St. Louis to Kansas City. All right. So, uh, for me, the worst is Ohio. Okay. Then, then um, the next worst would be Missouri, and then Indiana would be the least worst. Out of those three... For me, and for what helps now is that Indiana's construction for the tr- the route I take isn't as bad as it used to be, and Ohio mm-hmm. can just kiss my ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, like I don't mind Ohio. That's probably just because the furthest I've gotten is Columbus. So, <laughs> oh, Ohio. Ohio, least worst for me. Um, then I would go Missouri. Okay. Than Indiana. I hate you Indiana. Adore, you just don't adore Indiana at all, huh? <clears throat> like, what? There's nothing redeemable in Indiana. Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. <laughs> like, so Chicago's bad enough. Like, you know, like, yeah, there's there's a lot not to like about Chicago. And Gary, Indiana is like, well, let's one up that. Let's, let's take this to the next level. Now, I will say, when Cutler Klein and I, we went up to cover, it was game two, I think, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, game two in Chicago, that's that's when I believe they shut him out, right? Oh, that was the second time. Yeah, the second yeah. time. So, we, we, were, we went up there and thinking, oh, wow, I mean, it's going to be tough for them to get two in a row in Chicago. It's going to be a split, obviously. So it's going to be we're going to, we were preparing yeah. for a split. And game but, one, the Preds only won by one goal, right? So it's like, well, then it was five nothing in game two. If right? the Preds play the same way, they're not going to be able to, to win that. game yeah. two, and and then they beat them like five nothing. <laughs> well, they didn't play the same way. <laughs> no, they, they better. <laughs> so we're staying actually in the outskirts of like to, just to the west of Gary, Indiana, and so I wasn't sure what to expect. Because it was a lot cheaper than staying in Chicago. Well, yeah. We'll just commute the next day to Chicago. (laughs) And then we'll come back. 
and stay again here. We basically made it our home base. But I will say this. The nice thing about that part, there was an actual good Midwestern diner yeah. near the hotel. And what I liked about it was it was one of those diners that I love that is run by Greeks. And so you had like an eight-page menu, breakfast served all day, and they also had your Euros, they had the baklava, souvlaki, flaming cheese, even the saganaki, and then all your other comfort foods from a diner, plus a huge bakery display. That's what I miss the most about out there, because we ate at one in Michigan on our way home, and we don't have diners in the South. I'm, dude, no. we have Cracker Barrel and it's so expensive. Cracker Barrel and um, Waffle House. Waffle House. And mm. I want a diner where you can get a breakfast for four ninety nine. Those yeah. still exist. You're like those don't exist. Go up north. They absolutely exist because it really isn't that that expensive for eggs, toast, hash browns, and bacon. It really yeah. isn't. And then Cracker Barrel for the same thing would charge you like nine ninety nine. But I really miss diners. And what was funny. And I, I tweeted about this, so people probably already know the story, but Igor Afanasyev and Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. That, so he didn't participate in morning skate. And because he was playing that night, the team had just played in London the night before. So they were having team meetings, and I was going to interview him at 11.30. And so I, I, we didn't know that. We didn't know it was optional until I got there, because media for the juniors, there's not media at morning skates, really. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. There's not a thing, like they're on the pros. Yeah. And so I'm sitting with my dad at the rink, at, the, at this the arena they play at, the WFCU Center. It is kind of similar to Ford Ice Center, how it is a community center attached, where you have a big arena that seats you know thousands of people attached to a community center with like three, four rinks, a swimming pool, and a gymnasium Ooh. here. So it's busy. They have a Tim Hortons inside of it. So my dad gets a donut. I get an apple fritter. Uh, I'm waiting for my dad to, to get the donut because he was nice enough to buy the apple fritter for me. I'm just standing there, and Igor comes up, taps me on the shoulder, and like, says, Hi, how are you? So good to see you. <laughs> he's 11.30, right? I'm like, yeah, and he shakes my hand. He, he loves shaking my hand um, because he's such a nice kid. Like, this dude is so genuine and nice. And then he was getting his stuff at Tim Hortons, and he's walking back, and he sees mine, looks down, and he goes, Apple fritter. Good choice. <laughs> and come to find out that that is the one thing that he has discovered in Canada that he absolutely loves is Tim Hortons. And every game day, he has a small coffee and an apple fritter. That is his thing. So you have the, the junior guys just coming up to the Tim Hortons at the rink and buying their stuff. It was, pr- it was pretty cool. That's yeah. awesome. Anyways, Kyle Turris. <clears throat> uh, you want to talk Kyle Turris or you want to talk Bortuzzo Let's first? talk Bortuzzo first. Okay, so <clears throat> you want to get the initial quote? Well, wait, hold on. Well, Jeremy Rutherford mm-hmm. talked to Robert Bortuzzo. Jeremy Rutherford is with the Athletic St. Louis mm-hmm. and talked to Bortuzzo, and he had multiple things to say when asked about the suspension and everything. Yeah. The one that got me was Bortuzzo saying, maybe the cross check was a little excessive. Again, my intention is never to injure anyone, except to the ruling look, looking forward to move forward. You also notice that he has not contacted the player. Yeah. Like, if, if you feel bad, don't you contact the player? And you don't say the player. You'd at least say Victor. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I hate that Victor got injured. I hate that Arvidsson got injured. You say the name. No, he didn't go anything personal yeah. at all with this. And that makes me scream, horse shit. Mm-hmm. on what you actually feel about this because it's happened multiple times. It's not a one-time thing where he lost control. 
This has happened multiple times where he's, quote-unquote, lost control in trying yeah. to injure a player because he thought that they were diving or something like that. And accepting personal responsibility goes a long way for me. And there's no, like, hey, like, I'm, you know, he pissed me off. I did what I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I apologize. I shouldn't have. I made a mistake. None of that. It's... Well, what happened happened. Like, oops, didn't mean to. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah, you accept it for four games because you only lost $60,000. Ooh. Yeah. Big loss there. And then... And he's already playing again. Yeah, he's already playing again. Arvidsson's out until potentially yeah. the Winter Classic. Between this episode and our last episode, he was suspended and reinstated in that short yeah. amount of time. Short time. Hopefully, Arvidsson is back for the Winter Classic. And then... And then... John Dietz, who's the beat writer for the Daily Herald uh, in Arlington Heights in Chicagoland. Chicago. Chicagoland. Let's go see the Bears. Because Chicago and St. Louis were playing each other and Bortuzzo's return was asked about the hit. And Jonathan Tapes, captain of the Chicago Blackhawks, said... Okay, like, real real quick though. Uh I kind of love Jonathan Tapes. Oh, I love his takes. He's being honest. Well, he's not holding back either. Yeah, he is who he is, and I feel like he doesn't hold anything back from the media. Yeah. I feel like at the end of the day, he's a pretty solid dude, pretty solid leader. Captain Serious. There's a, there's a <laughs> lot of uh, people not to like on the Blackhawks. He's sure. not one of them. No, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, he's serious, but when he's asked a question that he has an opinion on, he will give his opinion. Yeah. And that's all you could ask for. And so, it was, pretty, it was only four words that Jonathan Tate said when asked about Bortuzzo hit, and it was, it was pretty horseshit. Yeah. Jonathan Tate's calling out, so you know that if, if Jonathan Taves is thinking that, then you know other players are thinking that as well. And they might be a little scared. And it's uh, people will be like, oh, that's the point. They need to be a little scared. No, they should. They shouldn't be scared they're going to be injured doing their job. Yeah. It should be, you know, it's a scary game because it's so fast-paced, but you should never feel like on the ice – well, I better, you know, watch out or he's going to injure me in my spine because he's going to cross-check me to the lower back. Yeah. That should never be an issue on that. And he's done that exact same play multiple times. Multiple times. Player goes down and I'm going to slash their spine. And so, I mean, I know we we focus on it, but it's just that's how ridiculous it is. That So what's the next one going to be? Is it finally going to be 10 games or more? It's the only way you make a change is if you really push it out to where they feel an actual hit and pain from it. And the team does. Because a team, when they have to keep a player on the roster and they're suspended and everything, they're feeling more of a brunt of a hit like that as well. And they're forced to deal with that situation. If you want to stop that, make teams not want to have those players on the roster. Yeah. Um, There's this old-time hockey mentality of, like, you've got to be tough and, like, this is... you Blah, blah, blah. Well, there seems to be an ongoing theme lately of anytime there are consequences for someone's actions, they they take it personally against the way hockey is Against the sport. Yeah, and it's... It's like, well, everybody is weak. No, you're weak for being upset that, like... This action took place, and now there are consequences you have to face. Mm-hmm. You're upset by that. That's weak. Acknowledge your wrongdoing. Accept the repercussions that come. That's what being tough is. That's what being a real man is. Yeah. Like, running away from the mistakes you have made is weak. And ignoring them is weak. Yes. 
I mean, so, so let's tie that right in with our next little topic. Oh boy, <laughs> coaches. Yeah, it's um. Oh my gosh, it's it's refreshing to see that there are consequences for negative behaviors. Um, you know, tying back into my initial statement of. You know, you thinking you can do whatever you want, and they're not going to be repercussions. And it's up for us to police everything. Mm -hmm. What you said is shit, and you've got to face the music. You've got, you can't run from your mistakes any longer. You have to deal with the repercussions. You have to sit at home and do jack squat because you're a shitty person. You'll love to see it. It's great. It's fantastic. You'll love to see like, it. Like, it's bad that their actions had a negative effect on people's lives mm-hmm. in the way they did for so long. But it's refreshing to see that there are finally consequences finally. for dis- being disrespectful to people. And that players are starting to band together to step up and being honest. I mean, you had Chris Chelios mm-hmm. talking about things. Johan Franzen. Talking yeah. about things. Brent Sopel has come out yeah. about stuff. And all these multiple players coming yeah. out now finally realizing, oh wait, it's not. I don't have to be part of the good old boy yeah. system. And Chelios and Franzen, those aren't like the timid little weak players that they like picking on. Those right. are the rough and tumble guys that they idolized yeah. for so long. I mean, look what... Like, Chelios isn't talking about what Babcock did to him. Yeah. There's like, you're going to be a mentor and that's going to be your role. And if you don't like it, you can go to Kenny and ask for a trade. Yeah. He was like, I love it in Detroit and what he did for the Winter Classic for them. And basically, he played two minutes total. Um, and was completely just doing whatever he wanted to do for the sake of power control. And that's the thing. That's the thing as it comes to power and control. And Damian Cox, what what a shithead, his tweets yeah. about this. Trying to say, well, the players now, this thing is supposed to be in private. You know what? what? Yeah, it's what one's me- in power. Someone has power and control and is in charge. That's taking advantage of the in charge. Yes, things are supposed to be made in private, but there's a difference between having a conversation and yelling about it as players and coaches and being abusive. Mm-hmm. Huge difference. So just to go back over Damian Cox's statements, just wondering, is it now okay for NHL coaches to reveal what players said in private meetings? This is going to get interesting. If they're shitty, yes. yes. It is 100% acceptable for coaches yes. to say. Uh, it is certainly interesting to hear Chip Kills... It is certainly interesting to hear Chris Chelios reveal what Mike Mike Bab breathe breathe. Um, it is certainly interesting to hear Chris Chelios reveal what Mike ba- Mike Babcock <laughs> said to him in presumably a private. Also, Damian Cox can't write because no. that's where the sentence comes to him in comma presumably comma a private. Period. I think he means a private setting, but he didn't say that. Oh, so um, he, it's his fault too. So is Chelios now cool for Babcock or any of the other coaches he played for to tell the world the things he said or did behind closed doors? I mean, as I said, if Chelios fucked up at some point and said something derogatory to somebody, then yeah, he should be taken to task and he should be persecuted right. in the same way. Um, <clears throat> like it's not a witch hunt. It's people finally banding together to realize that something's right and something's wrong. Yeah. And what the difference is and why you shouldn't be doing it because it's teaching the next generation too. This is what's acceptable. This is what's not. Players and coaches 
of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable behavior. The whole being soft and everything, which we see can so, so much. And you know what's funny? I see more of that talk coming from Canadians than I do Americans. Because I think they're so protective of their game sometimes. And it's not a bag on Canadians. It's more of a, I feel like this is one of those things where it's not a political left or right thing. It's more of a your thoughts on the game mm-hmm. and being protective of the way you think the game should be played. And that's going to change the way the game's played. No. If anything, this will make hockey better for being more open mm-hmm. about things and have a conversation, discussion about things. Because then, then you might be able to have players... Be better, be more mentally stable, and have better mental capacity. That means they can be better players on the ice. When they're mentally stable and they're in good spots in their lives, they can be even better. Goes back to the Kimalu as well. He was a prospect, and I'm not saying he was a top prospect, but he was on the road to making the NHL before he was labeled a troublemaker or hard to, hard to coach, everything like that. So, if you had a player that was in the, that was not being abused, what could that player have been? Mm-hmm. If they weren't wrongly labeled because they they didn't like being you know have racist language being used against them, which was corroborated by multiple players. That's what everybody says. Well, innocent to proven guilty. Like this isn't the <laughs> that always comes in is innocent to proven guilty. It's like whoa, is there a lawsuit? <laughs> and 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 what I keep hearing is all that as well. It's like you have multiple players corroborating this. What more do you want? Can I just take a whole a moment with the whole innocent until oh proven guilty go. thing? In terms of law, yes. I can think whatever the fuck I want about whoever the fuck I want. <laughs> if you seem like the type of shithead to say something racist, I'm probably going to be like, yeah. You probably like, said it. Seems like you said it. I don't like that shithead. <laughs> and that's fine. Like, <laughs> It's like those people who say, only God can judge me. Well, that's pretty convenient that somebody who's... Not here to speak on it, on it at all is the only person who matters. Like, no, people can have opinions. People can say this is shit. And a lot of people will not like you, and a lot of people will like you. That's just normal. A lot of you might be turning off the podcast right now, and that's yeah. okay. But we're giving our opinions on stuff because we care about the game, and these are our opinions. Mm-hmm. When we think about it's going to continue to make the game better as it continues to grow. And that's what I don't want. I don't want shitheads running the game. I don't want shitheads talking about the game. I don't want people that have thousands and tens of thousands of followers having so much power out there to change the the narrative of the game because they think that it's ruining it by having players speak out against wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. It's wrong. You think it's okay to choke a player, to to kick people, to physically to physically abuse and mentally abuse, verbally abuse people because you're the person in power. Can you only imagine what could happen? What might happen for some junior teams when they're actual kids mm-hmm. that are playing? If you have a, co- a bad coach, and here's the thing, this is what's gonna, this is going to put a big target on so many coaches out there. But you already know, there's there's comparatively, there ninety percent are going to be great coaches out there. There's so many good good coaches out there, but you have to weed out the bad ones. Now is what you do is you take you you take this and you take that power. And you weed out the bad ones so the good ones can rise to the top and have even more opportunities. So good players can rise to the top and have more opportunities. Speak out about it. Like you said, Cameron, mm-hmm. whether it's a player or coach that did something wrong, they need to, they need to be held accountable for mm-hmm. it. And yeah. that's how you let the cream rise to the top. There needs to be consequences for your negative actions in all things in life. Yeah, we have to deal with it. Yeah. They should do <laughs> Well, hold on a second. Also... I'm seeing the score from Buffalo, New Jersey. Dear God, New Jersey's bad. Yeah. 7-1. Mm. 
Anyways. Um, but uh, Franzen came out in an article talking about um, he's a terrible man, the worst person I've ever met, a bully who attacks people. It could be cleaners in the arena in Detroit or anyone. He jumped on people just because. You should not be untouchable just because you're the head coach right. of whatever team. No. You're not an untouchable. If you're treating people in a negative way, you should have face the consequences. All same rules for everyone. And that's the way it really should be. That's the truth of equality. That's what it should be. <clears throat> it's so shitty that like, but like you said, um, I think you were talking about like, you know, just, um, well, I forget. But my point is, <laughs> not everyone is all bad all the time. Not right. So, <clears throat> if Mike Babcock had faced faced consequences early on for treating people shittily, would have been corrected. it would have been corrected Hopefully. and we wouldn't even be at this point. Hopefully. Hopefully. So, <clears throat> setting people up in this situation where it's like, I can do whatever the fuck I want, it's not good for anybody. It didn't wind up being good for Mike Babcock. Eventually, the time ran out, and you know, right. he's facing the music now. Yeah, Vegas broke him. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, it's not all black and white. Um, you know, Ted Bundy was uh, a suicide hotline uh, oh, man. worker. Like you know, bad bad people did good things occasionally, and good people do bad things occasionally. Right. You know, and you learn from you learn from consequences. That's how you're able to make corrections. And that's the whole thing. At the end of the day, face the music. If you did what you did, you have to face consequences. Doing one good thing doesn't negate the bad thing. You still have to face the music about the bad thing. I mean, if this was like the the Catholic Church in Italy, you know, back in the, the day, you could pay. And it would negate the bad things. I'm pretty sure that's still how it works. <laughs> I just remember that from European history, AP. <laughs> we learned so much about that. Yeah. Uh, That's how it works in Scientology, right? Oh, God. After the alien spiders, I mean? Is, is that right? <laughs> Ask Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> Not Beck anymore, thankfully. Oh, God. Oh, man. Okay. So, but yes, this, this these are serious <clears throat> topics. I don't, we're not try, obviously not trying to make light of it. But these are serious topics that need to, are finally being addressed. And if anything, it's putting the league in the spotlight. For bad things that happen, but good can come from it. Yeah. And that's what you hope everyone handles these situations appropriately and rightfully. Because, yeah, I get it. A lot of people don't like Sean Avery. So you obviously don't want to immediately believe him and what he said. But it's fair to have conversations. And then when you have other players start speaking out about it, and you're like, oh, crap. This really did go down. Look at Ron Francis and how he handled the... The stuff that went on with Carolina, mm-hmm. and then his statement on it was horseshit. Yep, was absolute horseshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like this is one of those things. If it, if it takes this to take down the good old boy system, then it has to happen mm-hmm. because I want change. I want the, I want the league to evolve so it can continue to survive as well, and that we continue to have the most elite players, the most elite coaches, the most elite sport out there in in, in the most elite league. Out of anything in the world, because you have to evolve, and if you're not, it goes with on the ice and off the ice. You have to evolve. Yeah, 
And one person facing the music in hockey, um, Austin Matthews, with what happened over the summer, his statement after the case was dismissed was, um, I'm very sorry for making somebody feel uncomfortable. I'm going to move forward and commit myself to not not, uh, put anyone in situations like that moving forward. And as long as that's true, that's what I want. Acknowledge wrongdoing, accept the repercussions, and say, I'm going to work on this and make sure it's not an issue moving forward. I still wish it would have, would have done a little bit better job of that. I mean... <laughs> I mean, he, he did that, accept it, but... That's it... more than you get out of oh. most hockey situations. Oh. We know firsthand in this town, it's no statement at this time, no statement at this time, and then no further statement. Oh, sure, sure. Well, and better than Bartuzzo reacting to his suspension. Yeah. So, but but yeah, you want more, but you don't want to forget it. Moving on doesn't mean forgetting as well. That's one of those things, too. People, a lot of times, they move on. They forget. And even Bortuzzo, I think, said move on. Yeah. But I think there's... I don't want to pick apart every word, but I want people to hopefully find a better set of words than move on mm-hmm. from it. To, to acknowledge that you're not trying to forget it. You're saying, you know, we, we still have this game to be played. We want to make sure that we're acknowledging this. And then, you know, make, a, make statements. And you don't have to continue to address it. But by your actions, show that you're changing. By yeah. your actions. Yeah, and that's that's what I want to see out of these situations. If you are committed to rehabilitating yourself and apologizing, then, yeah, you've got to earn that second chance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some of these situations, we're not even talking about second chance. We might be talking about third or fourth or fifth. Oh, God, yeah. And this is just the first time we're seeing it. Right. You know, and second chances might be coaching in, like... A minor league in the middle of nowhere. Maybe Mike Babcock belongs in the SPHL or wherever. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? A Stanley Cup champion coach. Twice. Two-time Stanley Cup champion coach. Yeah. Coaching the SPHL. I mean, but, you know, sometimes... Is he going to face con- is he is he going to face repercussions though? Or is, re- is, or is the repercussion just going to be, you don't get a job anymore? Yeah. I mean, that might be enough at this point. Um, the physical abuse that was discussed, there's probably going to be further legal repercussions related to that. If anything, it's going to be like, um, it's going to be a, a different type of lawsuit. Yeah. Just to pay for damages. Yeah. More than anything else. Words are one thing, but when you're getting into physical abuse, that's... Yeah. Yikes. It's just, uh, I don't get it. And for people to say, well, I had to deal with it, they should too. Really? That's how the that's how the, the tree of abuse continues. If you're yes. saying because this person to deal with it, that that you that they should too, that you had to deal with it, that they should too, that's not right. That's like that's like fraternity saying, Well, this is what I had to do. No. So we need to make sure that we're abusing our pledges too. Yeah. Well no! I've had <laughs> shitty sales jobs where I was told over and over, Oh, that's just the nature of the business. It's the nature of the business because you choose to participate. Like Pretty sure you own the place. Right. Pretty sure it could not be the nature of the business right. if you wanted it not to be. <laughs> oh, well, you know, getting choked and, and kicked on the bench and everything is just the nature of the business. Shit. No, it's not. Don't give me that. And I I, I loved Steve Dangle's reaction to the Borduzzo stuff. Oh, yeah. I listened to all 15 minutes. <laughs> he was he was on it because he was calling horseshit. Yeah. So much, too. And it's one of those things that, you know, I, where people, where the player safety will come out and say, well, you know, this is the statute, this is what the precedent's been set. 
set a new precedent. It's not that difficult to. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, equally dumb is the whole, like, well, if Arvidsson is out for X amount of time, he should yeah, be Yeah, but you can't do that because you never know. It yeah. really, there's a lot of times where it really could be an accident. Yeah. Who knows where a guy was trying to lift a stick. Yeah. And it ends up being a high sticking and it hits the, the eye the eye socket or something. Yeah. Or it legit is an accident. Yes, you're responsible for what happens with your stick. Yeah. But you still should suffer a consequence because you did it. But it doesn't mean that you are purposely trying to injure that person. It, it's a hockey thing that yeah. happens sometimes. We see it. We even we wear cages yeah. and we see it. But that's different than Bortuzzo purposely cross-checking twice in the yeah. lower back. So you can't make that the crime, the, the punishment fitting the crime like that too when you could have accidents that result in players being out for a long period of time too. 8 to 15 is what it really should have been. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, if you really want to make a case, it had to be more. Yeah. It had to be more than four. Four just seems so laughable. When you start getting into your six, six plus, mm-hmm. where it's like, that's two weeks. Mm-hmm. Usually for most teams, six games would be about two weeks. Then yeah. it's like, okay, it's a little more suffering here. But four, that's nothing when you think of what spitting got. Yeah. Which I'm I'm glad they put an end to that, sure. sure. But oh, yeah. they didn't do all they did was ask nicely for it to not to happen when yeah. the whole licking thing was going on in the playoffs. Yeah. And you know, using air or using your tongue, I don't feel like there's a big difference. Right. So the spitting action, you have licking action, you have all this different kind of horseshit happening, and then you have something that really injured a player in a one game more. Yep. Oh, that's fun. Hi. You okay over there, Cameron? Yep. So, yeah. One game more, and you have it resulted in a player being completely injured for four to six weeks. Yeah. One game more. That's why it needed to be way more than that. Just based on the statute of what you're setting, based on the action. He also, Bertuzzo has this thing where it's like, okay, he sees a penalty being called on him, and then he's like, well, I gotta get my money's worth. Yeah, I'm gonna make it worth it. They gotta get that shit out of the game. Yeah. That is bullshit, and that leads to uh, injuries, as we've seen. Oh, yeah. Well, look at Bennington. Yeah. Him in that game. He was being being a little shit. Yep. In that game. And, okay, here's the funny. Yo, Preds fans, if you're going to bitch about a player, at least get their goddamn name right. (laughs) I kept seeing Bennington. 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 Dude, it's not that difficult. Look it up. My favorite. St. Louis Blues goaltender. (laughs) My favorite on the uh, national broadcasts when the Blues are playing is they say Peter Angelo. Oh my god. Which sounds like a, uh, a defunct uh, member of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Petrangelo. It's Petrangelo. <laughs> yeah. No, oh my god. Peter Angelo. Petrangelo. I don't get that. Peter Angelo. It's like, he had, didn't his dad play? I and then it was Petrangelo. It's Petrangelo. Come yeah. on. Okay. All right. Boy, we've have, we have been a little hostile. Yeah. It is Southern hostility. Yep. So, what else you got, Cameron? Um, let, let's talk about the tourist stuff. Well, apparently he skated on the second line of practice today. This is a yeah. Monday night that we're recording. Um, I listened to Preds Insiders with Ryan Porth and uh, the guest Adam Vingen. Mm-hmm. And Adam Vingen talked about, he kind of related it to the um, story during the playoffs of Rene not starting. Oh, where LaViolette did not make any statement on it leading up to, um, what 
was it at that time? I guess it would be in game three. Mm-hmm. No statement, no statement, no statement until, okay, Rene's starting. Uh-huh. And he said afterwards, you know, like, I never made it a story. This was all you guys fabricating something. Like, he's always been the starting goaltender. And uh, Vingan said, that's not true. All you have to say is, no, R- Rene's our man. Right. And that's it. And we move on. And there's right. no story. So, if Lafayette answered the questions surrounding Turris and saying, like, hey, here's what's going on, or at least, you know, giving more of an answer other than I made a decision, are we even talking about this right now? Right. No, 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 we're not. We're not. And that's why you could tell some fans are getting frustrated with the, the media even asking the question. And you had other sets of fans that were frustrated that they weren't getting an answer. So it was like two different, it was like a civil war going on in the fan base of people that hated the questions even being asked. Like, it's fully private. Like, no, it's not. It's a business. Yeah. And people invest their money in this business. Yeah. And so not only that, you guys are paid to ask the questions. Well, especially the beat writers, the actual beat writers that are traveling with the team or traveling to cover the team as yeah. well, like uh, Adam and Skirbina. Uh, and then Robbie, the beat writer for NHL.com. So, yeah. yeah, they need to be asking these questions because it's a legit question. Yeah. Had it been a player, and I don't want to single him out, but just based on salary, had it been a player like Colton Sissons that was getting scratched, a bottom six guy, who obviously he's done a great job this season, but just given the salary, the question would be asked, but it's not going to be asked in the same way. Yeah. If Austin Watson's getting scratched, if Daniel Carr's getting scratched, if any of the bottom six guys are getting scratched, you're not having the same question come up. You mean a, a multi-time 60-point uh, player who's getting paid a decent chunk of money? Just from an asset management perspective, mm-hmm. let's say LaViolette hates Turris and wants Turris gone. You want to make Turris look nice and pretty so you can get him out of town. Nice and pretty. Yeah. Make, nice and pretty. Yeah, make him... Yeah, You want to say great things. Great thing. My mom uh, was a manager at McDonald's uh-huh. when she was younger, and she said anytime she wanted somebody gone, if they applied somewhere else and somebody called up, oh, he's talking about leaving. Man, he'd be a big loss for our team. We don't like. We don't want to lose that guy. He's been so great for us. Are you sure? <laughs> that is strategy. That's perfect. It really is perfect. So if you're Laviolette and you want Terrace gone, isn't that what you do? Mm-hmm. Or oh, if we're resting him for you so he doesn't get injured. <laughs> or, you know, you put him on the top line with Forsberg mm-hmm. and give him, like, a legit opportunity to get a couple points on the board. Give him a good run of, like, three to five games. Right. And then let the GM do his job. Hell, you know what? Turris is day-to-day with a lower body injury. <laughs> I mean, it's lying. Yeah. <laughs> and people would be like, well, okay. No, but it was it was it's a very weird situation because Turos was not playing awful either. He was not bad. I mean, could he have produced more? Yeah, of course he could be producing more. But he wasn't playing awful. Not like last season where it just was bad at times, and he was getting fluctuated all throughout the lineup as well. So it's hard to expect him to be successful when he's playing the fourth line. He's playing on the first line. He's playing on the second line. He's doing a little bit of everything. So. Such a unique situation without us getting really a straight answer. And it's just funny to see how people are reacting uh, to it as well. And I think that's been the frustrating thing through these inconsistent times is that the team is inconsistent and the lineup has been inconsistent. Right. It's been a shuffle up and down the lineup 
this player's playing with this player tonight and blah, blah, blah. Then they got the five and six points. Yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> Duchesne and Forsberg were so hot at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And they haven't logged a lot of time recently yeah. together, and have they? Duchesne looks like he might be playing with Johansson. Yeah. And Forsberg. Which... That could be interesting. It could be interesting, yeah. Because I remember when um, when uh, the Senators were talking about trading Duchesne, uh, a lot of the talk was a lot of teams wanted him to play on wing instead of at center. Right. So it's an interesting thing to talk about. You know, he can play wherever he wants. Yeah. And I think he's going to be fine. And it's it's going to be interesting as a second line because it, it was lined up on the pra- on practice as Turris, Yarncroke, and... Glenland. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that could be interesting. But nevertheless, the whole tour situation has been unique because it is a $6 million player. And if it's one of those things where you have to trade and retain some salary, that might, it, you know, Paul doesn't want to, but yeah. that's what you have to do. So it's obviously going to continue talks all the way into the trade deadline, which is February. But maybe <laughs> if you're not. Leaving that guy out of the lineup, maybe he does enough to where you don't have to retain salary. Or you don't have to retain as much salary. You're right. Or, you know, you put a coach in place who knows how to use him properly. And (laughs) then maybe you don't have to get rid of him altogether. And I don't think LaViolette's in the hot seat. He isn't. No. Not right now. Not yet. They haven't. The the thing, I don't want to say saved him because he wasn't in the hot seat, but when you win back to back and sweep. St. Louis. Yeah. Like they did. That kind of took the air out of those sails. Yeah. Um, I will say, with the way the team has been inconsistent this year, and the way the power play was last year, might not be the worst thing for LaViolette's seat to heat up just a little bit. Oh, a little bit, because if they don't make it past the first round, that seat better be extremely hot. Yeah. For good reason. I mean, yeah. you, you can't just peak... And then be okay with the talent on this roster. And this here, all things being considered that they're a, they're a healthy team overall. Mm-hmm. Healthy team overall, if they don't make it past the first round, then there are issues. Well, as things currently stand, they are... How many points out? Um, two points out, but wait, no. <laughs> Th- three points out. Okay. Three points out of the playoffs, but they're like... Three spots down. And the majority of time, what is it, like 76% or close to 80% of the teams based on Thanksgiving standings? Yeah. Usually. <laughs> yeah. So, playoffs, playoffs. I just hope we can win a game. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's going to come down to this, too. Well, if St. Louis Blues, they're in last place. They won the cup. Yeah, that was a big story because it's never happened. Yeah, maybe I'll win the lottery too. Yeah, you can't <laughs> expect it to happen every damn year. Well, the Preds were in eighth place made it to the cup final. Okay, yeah, yeah that's great. It doesn't happen. That, how many times has that happened? Yeah. Not many. That's why it's special. That's why people talk about it. Because it's special. If it happened every year, it wouldn't be a story. Yeah. Because then, then it's just normal for it to happen. It's not normal. Teams that are at the top usually win more Stanley Cups. Yeah. That's just no, that's just how it goes. Yes, the narrative can change sometimes, but just like that whole President's Trophy curse bullshit, if there's still a percentage that you have of who's going to win. Once you enter the playoffs, everyone has the same percentage likelihood overall, not based on odds or Vegas betting or anything like that. Every team has the same percentage chance of winning the cup. 
Mm-hmm. All the President's Trophy does is give you an advantage to play teams that are hopefully less talented than you. Yeah. Give you that advantage all the way through. But it doesn't mean anything. There's no curse for it because you look at it. Most teams that have finished near the top have won more Stanley Cups overall. And I, I don't know if it's still the case, but a few years ago I remember somebody did the research and said out of all um, seeds... The President's Trophy winner has won the Cup more than any other. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like good teams are yeah. successful. I wonder why, because usually the best team in the regular season, they've proved it. Yeah. Can teams flub up in the playoffs? Of course, it happens all the time. How many upsets were there last year in the playoffs? Big ones, Calgary, <laughs> Colorado. How many sweeps were there last year? Last year was just bonkers there were a few. all around. I mean, Calgary got upset by Colorado. I mean, all, all the, we saw this it was an upset for the Predators yeah. to lose to Dallas. There's that theory of like a few years ago, like we went, we branched off into like a alternate reality where everything like that shouldn't happen is happening. Like the Cubs win the World Series mm-hmm. and the Patriots win a billion times and blah 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 blah. Like I think I believe that, especially after the Blues won, because mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense. Well, let's let's talk Mandalorian. Okay. Let's let's completely change gears. Um, the Baby Yoda memes are oh. fantastic. Oh, they've been great. Especially Baby Yoda drinking soup. Yeah. I like the Baby Yoda excited. That's been my favorite. Uh, which looks like this. Well, hold on. Uh, For the people at home. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, yeah. Excited but the baby. headline says, uh, when she insists on using toys during sex and then brings out her Hot Wheels collection. Oh, my God. I don't know. I really like the Spatchy Spatch one. <laughs> it was the one that I see. It's mostly it's um, a woman that po- that posted it first. Obviously, it's like when my when my husband is cooking a bomb ass four course meal and I'm standing there with my Spatchy Spatch just asking if I can help. <laughs> and it's just they put Baby Yoda holding a spatula. Yeah. Uh, no, it's been great. I've I've loved it. And what's been so cool and unique about it is every episode's have a different director. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Price Howard directed the last one. Bryce Dallas Howard? Bryce Dallas Howard, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, she directed that last episode. Yeah. Uh, and it was different. It was almost Star Trekky. Yeah. Uh, to me, with they, they go and kind of, you know, rescue um, yeah. a, a culture that is being bombarded by raids and everything like that. I will say this. Like, as far as, like, backstory with the Mandalorian, I don't care. I hope I never learn anything more about him. Because I want the... Because that's one thing where they fucked up with Boba Fett and Darth mm-hmm. Vader. is like it's supposed to be these mysterious characters right. and that's why they're interesting. It's like, look at Boba Fett as a child. It's like, no, that's not why I'm interested in Boba Fett. I don't want to see him as a, like a nine-year-old running around like, Hey, Dad, da-da-da. Darth Vader raced pods. <laughs> No, this is pod racing. Oh my god. Oh. Like, it's like, let's take the most badass, mysterious heroes ever and show them as children. And have him be a love-drunk guy that's full of hate. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> no, this is perfect because it's like, okay, his parents were killed, he became the Mandalorian. There seems little, and, little teases. Yeah, little teases. That's all that's I want. That's what makes it interesting. You yeah. don't need to full, have full people. No, you, you gotta dangle the carrot. Yeah. Don't give me too much, but give me just enough. Yeah. And just show me in a... Show him in a different situation each week doing something badass. The whole thing 
Where, when is the last time you took off your helmet? Yeah. In front of someone. It's like when I was a child. And then all he does, what he does is the food is right in front of him, and they pan down to see just below his neckline, and he takes off his helmet. And you're like, go! Oh! Yeah. And they focus on Baby Yoda playing with the kids. Yeah. It's like that's the kind of teases that I want. Yes. That's okay. That's not. That's one of the reasons why I don't like most horror movies. Yeah. One, I don't like being scared shitless, and I think they're too gory oftentimes, and it ruins it. Yeah. But something. Oh, oh this is a throwback and a weird thing. To Darkness Falls, it was the horror movie about the Tooth Fairy. Okay. How was that? Was that that had The Rock, right? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think it did. <laughs> it felt but, like a horror movie. <laughs> no, that was the Tooth Fairy. God dang you! <laughs> no, Darkness Falls is supposed to be creepy because you have this like demon hovering over people, basically to steal their teeth and kill them. Mm-hmm. But what ruined it was the factor of you. There was the tease. You didn't know what it looked like. Then all of a sudden, they started showing it the whole time. Yeah. It's like that's not that's not scary anymore. You're showing everything. Don't ruin things by giving us too much. We yeah. want to be teased a little bit. That's what heightens the. Oh, I wonder if I want yeah. to be questioning these things because it makes people talk about it. They're doing a very good job with that four episodes. Yeah. Well, that the first Paranormal Activity movie was like that, where it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just like here's something creepy that Freaky happened shit. at night. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, none of it was really explained or anything like that too in-depth. And it's like, that's perfect. Yeah. And then they came up with, like, a billion of those. And so I want to brag on myself a little bit. Well, with The Mandalorian, and you know about me and how I absolutely love movie music. Yep. I mean, for my birthday, Cameron got me Mm -hmm. movie soundtrack and scores. So the the dude gets me. Um, and so what I was noticing just after the first Mandalorian episode was that it sounded really familiar and that it sounded similar to Black Panther. And because I heard that little African flute mm-hmm. in it, which we heard in the Black Panther one for obvious reasons, but it hurt a little bit because it gives that sort of rustic native feel to mm-hmm. it with Mandalorian is very much about the different lifestyle and everything. And I gave it a few more episodes because I wanted to keep seeing where it was going. And after episode three, I was like, Okay, this has got to be the exact same composer for this. And lo and behold, it was Ludwig Göransson, mm-hmm. the composer for Black Panther, also the composer for the Mandalorian score. And I love the Mandalorian score, just like I love the Black Panther score, because it's different, using different techniques of instrumentation. And also because what I like is that it is different from the John Williams feel. I obviously love John Williams. Mm-hmm. With the Star Wars music and everything, but you wanted the Mandalorian to be different and yeah. not to feel like the Skywalker saga. You wanted to be a different spin of the story, and that's good. You want it to be different music because you think about it in all eight movies of the Skywalker saga of Star Wars. Right, the music I don't want to say is the same, but you could tell it's the same feel and composer because they're all connected. And music does that; it connects it. it, connects video games, it connects movies, connects TV, everything like that. So I love how they went with a different route. And went with him. He's a young composer too, but I absolutely love the music in the Mandalorian and the the art. Have you seen them post the art yeah, about yeah, it? The it's like beautiful. Yeah, the, the art, art and the credits looks real good. Yeah, and they post those images in high quality images on Facebook mm-hmm. a few days after each one is, episode is posted. So I love it. I love how they're taking this seriously. I love what John Favreau has done already with it. Yeah. And holy moly, you know Disney knew going in. Oh, Baby Yoda. I wonder if that's marketable. <laughs> well, I'm just curious when we're going to have a name that isn't Baby Yoda. 
We might not. Yeah. Right? Well, I think they've said that, like... It's coming? Yeah. The little thing has a name. What if it's a female? It could be. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, yeah. and that's what's going to be so interesting, too, is that the whole story with... We know Yoda was really old. Yeah. And the thing is 50 years old and still an infant. Yeah. So that's how it, that species ages. So it's pretty cool. And I, I love how they're going with that because then we're seeing... It, it connects to the Skywalker saga loosely... Because we didn't know there was anything other than Yoda of his species. Because we don't know anything about Yoda on purpose. Yeah. Again, it's a tease that we don't know. And then you see something else. You're like, what? I have so many questions. And I want questions. Yeah. Um, going into other Disney Plus programming. Mm-hmm. Have you watched the Imagineering story at all? The first two episodes, yes. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's been really good as well. very cool just to see what it was like <clears> when <throat> they were building, choosing locations. People were yeah. kind of making fun. Uh, Orange Groves, Swampland... Yeah. Or like that, and now I mean, I'm going to Orlando in a month, yeah, and all of that was just swampland that nobody wanted, and basically that's what built Orlando. <laughs> uh, the Michael Eisner stuff is always my favorite because, yeah. like, that dude was super interesting because he's like, you know, I don't feel like we have enough thrill rides or stuff or anything like that. Let me bring my teenage son with us to these <laughs> like high profile business <laughs> meetings, <laughs> so um. One of the Imagineers was like, my fate lies with this, my entire job lies with this like 13 year old and making sure he's going to have fun at these parks. Oh man. And, well, and all this, all the stuff about the rides and the concept behind what Walt had with a lot of these things. And mm-hmm. I did not know, I'm sure Disney, real big Disney fanatics will know about Epcot and how it was in a planned community. Yeah. Efforts, which is really neat to hear. And they obviously had to go away from that. But they still looked at it for the future and wanting people to experience other cultures. Yeah. And that's what it was about, too, is bringing people together. Yeah, it's nothing like what it was supposed to be. Right. Um, and it's like, at the same time, I understand why. It's like, how do you accomplish that? But at right. the same time, like, I feel like if Walt had a few years left, he would have found a way. Oh, yeah, because the technology was just so advanced. Well, nothing about Disney should exist. Well, right. When you think about it. Yeah. I mean, in the, it's a small world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, do you have, like, I know it's been a number of years since you've been, do you have any recollections of It's a Small World? Oh, well, I went to Disneyland when I was 18. Yeah. Um, when I was a senior in high school, and that was back in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, weirdly enough, I mean, this was just three months after September 11th. We had to get special permission from the school district to travel, um, because it was with our marching band. We're in the Hollywood Christmas Parade. Mm-hmm. So most schools had, tra- had canceled any sorts of flight field trips. And we were like, we cannot not do this parade. Yeah. Um, but we went to Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm. And so I got to do uh, Disneyland. And it's a small world. Yeah. It was one of those things which is so repetitive. And it's just the puppets in motion continuing to sing it and everything. And even back then, I remember, I'm like, that seems a little racist. <laughs> Because it's stuff you can tell. Before then, it was acceptable because you didn't know enough about the culture. Yeah. That you didn't you didn't realize you were appropriating it. Yeah. You, you did. Now you do, and you adjust, and you change, and that's good. You you learn. Yeah. Back then you didn't know. So. Yeah. But, was, but they've, they're changing it a lot from what I hear, and even adding Disney characters into mm-hmm. It's a Small World. Yeah. So there's a few things about It's a Small World. Um. Sure. Um. <clears throat> it's. A small world? It's, yeah. (laughs) It's a safe haven from heat. Because... And rain. It's a 20 minute long ride. 
It feels like forever, and it's just AC the whole way, and, and on a long hot day in a boat. I've got stuff to look at. I've got AC. I've got a place to sit. It's wonderful for that reason. That's what Rise of the Resistance is going to be like. <clears throat> yeah, really, but <laughs> but the um, the downside to that is you hear the same song over and, and over, over and over again. And they talk about on uh, the Imagineering <laughs> story they were going to do the different anthems for, uh-huh. but it's all in one room and it just sounded like a big hodgepodge of nothing. Uh, exactly but what you get in in return for that is the same three lyrics over and over and over again some different music in the background when you go through different yeah oh parts here you get to hear a bongo drum here you get to hear a flute like oh yeah Uh, but my favorite thing is because i i love stories about fat people you know as a fellow fat person Mm -hmm. um in recent years, we're such fat asses that the boats would get stuck on It's a Small World, but the ride is 20 minutes long, so it would take them 20 minutes to notice that this boat was stuck. So, one boat gets stuck, and they just keep throwing, throwing boats in. Boats. <laughs> so, they would just stack up one behind another... And then the people, like they'd send boats in and boats wouldn't come out. <laughs> so people are getting stuck on there for at least 20 minutes, if not more. Cause, you yeah, know, don't you rock the boat and try to get it moving? I mean, I guess so. But they'd install cameras so they would know. Like, just <laughs> think about the kind of torture they could militarize. It's a small world after all. Oh, God, make it stop! <laughs> Oh, man. But, but, you know, I can't imagine being stuck. You're just like, oh, God. Oh, God. I'm going to jump out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So, on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, yep. at, um, I got stuck on the top. And they and they come on the loudspeaker. Because, like, there's that first drop where yep. you see the skull at the top and it's, like, talking at you. And then you fall. Do they tell um, you to rock the boat? Yeah, they come on the loudspeaker. Please rock the boat side to side. Please rock the boat side to side. So that everybody's like shaking the boat side to side. It's like you can't get somebody to come out here and push. <laughs> you know what bedroom that looks like the security cameras too. <laughs> we got another one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my the God. only thing I wish I wish the little skull would talk as mm. the person on the loudspeaker oh. talks. That would be some Disney magic. Would you like a horrible fire with that? <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyways, so hey, it was a fun some some fun hostility, some yeah. fun Disney. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.